Then tomorrow, the 29th, is the full caucus. Also, it's also the same issue of GBV related legislation. Then our next meeting will be on the 25th of November, which will be a steering committee. It will be looking at the draft first term program as well as preparing for EE26 November, which will be a full caucus. On the 25th of November, we'll also be looking at the draft committee report on the NSP on GBVF. Then our last meeting for this term, which will be a full multi-departments caucus, it will be on the 26th of November. Uh, it will be looking, it will be getting a briefings from the Department of Justice, SAPS, on the functioning of sexual offenses courts, the Chukuzela Care Centers, measures in place to ensure victim responsive services, status report on DNA testing and the availability of testing kits in, in police stations, as well as looking at the community business, like considering the draft program, as well as the draft report on the NSP for GBV. No. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Tembakazi. Honorable members, that was the briefing. Is there something that we want to check before we move to the second presentation? Hello, Tembakazi, can you alert I yeah. that they are disturbing us? You know, Chair, what I'm thinking is okay, Chair. Uh, hello, are you Are you? Can you hear me now? Yes, Doc. Yeah, what I'm actually thinking is that we've had our caucus Lakota. Yes. Uh, we we need to actually also put that into perspective of the activities of the caucus, the multi-party women's caucus. Okay. Uh, if we can do that, it will actually be helpful so that we move in unison to what the organization expects us to do when it comes to issues of gender. Okay. Meaning we'll I don't know whether that we'll... Yes. We, we actually use... Okay, okay. Maybe I will confuse it. Just leave the comment that I made. No, it's fine. <laughs> Just go ahead. Because I think I'm putting it in the wrong wrong yes. column. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Consider mm. it. Uh, we never heard about that. Then you'll bring you it something about tomorrow. It. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You'll yeah. bring it something okay. tomorrow. <laughs> yes. No, thank you very much. Honorable Koma, do we have something according to the um, draft agenda? No, no, uh, I am fine, Chair. You're fine. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Whip. Uh, let's proceed to the overview. And I will expect Joy and Barbara to share some few minutes in briefing us. I don't know who will start between Joy and Barbara. Thank you, Chair. Uh, it's Joy. Good, good. Um, okay. good I'm going to be briefing you on um, the Domestic Violence Amendment Bill and the Criminal Law Sexual Offences Related Matters Act Amendment Bill. Okay. So, 
Um, just to remind members that, you know, in fact, where these bills come from is the summit that we had, the national summit called by the president at the end of 2018, where there was a commitment to look at pushing more effort into our attempts to eradicate gender-based violence. So these bills are, are linked to that process and to provide additional support to uh, victims of, of gender-based violence. And on the whole, they are positive developments and they, they bring positive changes in addressing gender-based violence. What I'm going to talk about today, and I, I won't be long because I do know it's the medium-term budget policy statement, are some of the areas of the bill that be, can be considered potential challenges as raised um, in, in the public hearings um, so far on the bill. So if we start with the domestic violence amendment bill, um, we uh, look at the purpose of the amendment is to amend certain um, definitions and to put in place uh, new ones to make the process of obtaining a protection order easier, um, to impose certain duties on the Department of Social Development and the Department of Health to provide certain services, and to align the provisions of the Domestic Violence Act with the provisions of the Protection from Harassment Act. So key provisions in amending and inserting definitions include the definition of a child as someone who is under the age of 18, the definition of coercive behavior, the definition of controlling behavior. And then the, the bill also seeks to clarify a number of, of things like what, what a domestic relationship is, what domestic violence is, what economic abuse is. It also introduces a new form of harassment that wasn't in the primary bill, which is um, that of spiritual abuse, which is defined as ridiculing or insulting um, someone's religious beliefs or preventing um, that person from practicing their religious or spiritual beliefs or using the, the religious or spiritual beliefs to control, manipulate or shame them. Um, then in terms of the um, the amendments in terms of applying for protection order, section 41A of the bill makes provision for a complainant now to apply for a protection order to o'clock the court by a secure online submission. And this is a, is a very important positive change because we didn't have that before. And what it allows is for um, a complainant to make an online application without having to go to the court. The Primary Domestic Violence Act does not make provision for informing a complainant of the outcome of, a, of an application of a protection order, which is a, is a problem. So you apply for the protection order, but there was no um, onus to inform you of the outcome. Now, the amendment to the bill addresses this, and Section 3 requires that the clerk of the court must inform the complainant when the protection order is issued. And the reason why this is important is because many applicants um, end up phoning the court or they will go to the police to find out the outcome of their application. Um, and the bill now also says that in addition to informing the complainant of the outcome of the protection order, the clerk of the court must also inform the complainant of the provisions of the interim protection order as well as the date of the return to court. So these are very positive. What um, would be nice to see that isn't there, um, which is a, 
you know, something that we could look at as a possible inclusion to provisions is to say, if the board is to say that all um, applications must be completed on the same day that the application is lodged. And that ideally the complainant should be informed of the outcome of the application while they are still at court. Um, then if the interim order is issued, a copy of the order together with the warrant in terms of section eight must be handed to the complainant. Um, now, you know, it's important to just say that some of the courts are already doing this. They do it informally. Uh, there is no legislative requirement. Um, and it works well because you, you come on the same day, you're issued with the interim order on the same day, and, and you know the outcome. But it would have been nice if the bowl had made that a legislative um, requirement because then it won't be an informal practice and all courts would have to enforce it. Then I just want to talk a little bit about the insertion of Section 2 in, um, in, um, into the Principal Act. And this is where, honourable members, there's been some concern from some of the organisations who provide services to women. So Section 2A of the bill pertains to service providers. It includes healthcare practitioners, social workers, caregivers, teachers and officials who are employed by a public health or an education facility who are asked to assist or become aware of an incident of domestic violence. So the bill places an obligation on such persons to um, refer the affected persons for further assistance, to provide the complainant with access to resources like a list of available shelter service and to render assistance to ensure the safety of children. Now, um, Section 2B1A of the bill says that a person who has knowledge or a reasonable belief that an act of violence has been committed against a child or a person with a disability or an older person must immediately report this to a social worker or to a police official. If you fail to do this, you're guilty of an offence and it's liable on conviction to a fine or imprisonment for a period not exceeding five years. Now, it is understandable in the inst instances of, of a child and in an, an instance potentially uh, with a person who has a mental disability and is not able to take that decision for themselves. But the problem with the bill is that in Section 2B2A, there's a provision that any person who has knowledge of an act of violence being committed against an adult in a domestic relationship must report this as well. If you don't do it, you're guilty of an offence and liable to a fine or imprisonment. Now, the reasons why there has been concern from the organisations who provide services to victims of domestic violence is that um, it, the, the, the bill now compels a person to report an incident of domestic violence committed against an adult person of sound mind. And what that then does is it deprives that person of the ability to make their own decisions that they think are best for them. So, so, sorry, Joy. Sure, sorry, Chair. We, we no longer see your presentation. Can't you flag it? Sure. I'll put um, it up. Just give me one second. Okay. Um, I just need to check that you are seeing my my screen. Chair, are you seeing my screen? Is is it up, Chair? 
Yes, it's up, Joy. You may proceed. Okay, thank you. So, um, research shows us that compelling people to report doesn't have a positive effect. And there, there are a number of reasons for this. Because when uh, um, we are in effect, in effect saying that an adult woman doesn't make have the right to make that decision on her own behalf, that other people can make it on her behalf, it's also a form of exerting control over that person. So if you have mandatory reporting, it may increase the number of cases reported to the system, but it will also come with costs, like lowering the number of victims that will report to the police. So the, the goal of, of obliging people to report is to try and bring about social change, to try and eradicate gender-based violence, and to take the responsibility away from the woman for reporting her partner. But in reality, it causes it's likely to cause more problems than, than to be beneficial. And this is why women's organizations are saying that it's really important that the victim has the right to make that decision. Um, you know, especially from the perspective of keeping them safe, because we know from research that um, what can happen in terms of a victim safety is that somebody else now reports and takes the decision to report it on her behalf. She's not wanting to report, and there are repercussions for her um, when her partner finds out and her safety is then compromised. So it becomes a disincentive for people coming um, forward. It becomes a disincentive for a woman to go and try and access healthcare from a, um, a doctor or a, a nurse because they are obliged to report and she may not, for many reasons, want to report. So this um, has emerged as one of the single greatest challenges with the, the bill in its current form. Then I just want to move on to the provisions around electronic communications, which is a, um, a new insertion into the bill, and it is um, also a very positive one on the whole. Section 5B of the bill deals with situations where protection order is granted as a result of harassment by the means of electronic communication. So what it says now is that electro uh, an electronic communication service provider <laughs> must give the court information that can assist in identifying a respondent. The problem with it is that um, the bill specifies that the liability rests on the complainant for costs in trying to elicit this information and for removing and disabling access for, to the electronic communications. So the bill also says that um, in a case where a complainant cannot afford the costs, the court can hold an inquiry and look at the financial means of the complainant and then decide whether or not to waiver the cost. But ideally, um, you know, the, 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 the situation Honorable should Majaki. be... So, sorry, Joy. Honorable Majaki. Hello, Ma. Can you please check your gadget? Hello. Can you please check your gadget? It's not off. It's always flagging on the on the screen. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually yes. using the phone yes. and I'm not used to using it. It's because I yeah. thought the meeting was here in nine. Yeah. Instead of seeing the presentation, I only see that your gadget is on. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not used to using the phone. Uh, what do you want me to do now, Ted? <laughs> To to to, to to mute it. I think it's on. Like you want to call. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a.
and it's muted. Let me, rem- but if I remove the speaker, I put it on speaker so that I can see. It's, it's showing something like you want to call, and it, yes, and it removes the the presentation from the screen. Is it? Yeah, I, I don't know what you said. Maybe I think because can I will. Temba, uh, can you communicate with the IT that they assist uh, Honorable Majak? Okay, Chair. Okay, thank you. Okay, Joy, you may continue. Yeah, sorry okay. about it. I normally use uh, the laptop, but because today I was, I had just taken my hand back into Parliament. Uh, I didn't take my laptop, so I'm using the phone. Oh, yeah, okay. There was this miscommunication of something that said the meeting was in 249. Mendy um, says it's something that is... Uh, that is that is false. That was actually sent around. Okay, Jay. Joy, you may continue. Thank you, Jay. Okay. So, um, just to 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 finish that point around the provisions for electronic communications, um, it's that the point of departure shouldn't be that that somebody who's coming to lodge a complaint is liable for the for the cost. And then just very quickly, some of the other challenges um, that the bill need need to be addressed in the bill is that in the initial version of the Primary Act, we had um, stalking as a form of domestic violence. And what the bill has now done is that it's taken taken stalking out. Um, And this is is a bit of a problem because stalking is a form of domestic violence. And if we look at the studies done by the Medical Research Council on femicide, we see that um, in intimate partner relationships, it becomes a very important way of how women are harassed by their partners when they show up and they stand outside of their places of work, um, etc. So it's important to keep stalking in. Um, then around the inclusion of a definition of a uh, weapon, the provision in the bill defines a weapon as any object used to inflict grievous body harm. Further, um, the Act provides for the removal of a firearm in domestic violence situations. But what would be nice that isn't there is that um, the bill does not make provision for suspending a firearm license for a period of time, which would be um, a way of keeping women safe, where we say that for a few years, if you can, you know, if if there's, um, uh, that the firearm is actually taken away from, from the respondent. Um, just because we're being out of time, I just want to quickly uh, skip to the one on the requirement of sharing a residence in the definition of domestic relationships. So what the, the bill now does is it puts in defining a domestic relationship, it defines it's um, included a time frame. So it says that you must um, have lived with the person within the preceding year. And the reason why this is problematic is that it narrows the the, the ability of um, a victim to seek redress. Because in fact, it is very possible that there are situations where someone, um, someone's in a domestic, in a relationship with somebody, that person is violent and abusive, goes away from home to, to work maybe for more than a year, or goes to prison, then comes home. And then technically speaking, the bill does not cover these situations. I'm going to 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 move on to the SOMA one now. I'm going to um, do that one because in the interest of, of time. Um, so this is uh, to the um, sorry. I'm just trying to to find the SOMA one. Chair, 
शेर पार्लियामेंट Uh, in terms of making it a point that there will be inputs that will have been engineered also from our side and and I, I i imagine that will be in accordance to what we ourselves will have actually identified as a problem or maybe an impediment for the country to manage to effectively respond to gender based violence and some of the things have actually already been mentioned but um i think one thing that we could probably do or be allowed to do is to actually enlist some of the areas that we think are contentious and see whether the bills that are before parliament would cater for them beginning with the bail condition for gender based violence perpetrators because this is where what actually women always complain about to say then you you actually um report somebody they get arrested and then they get released and then they go home and then they continue to abuse you so we need to carefully look at the bail conditions as to whether they, there's anything that can actually be done to improve on the bail conditions and then about the protection order we know how many women were killed with a protection order in their hands what else needs to be done so that whatever provision is actually made in the So now I hear that about the consequence of the protection order and you know but one thing is how do we come around a situation where you find that a woman would actually be killed with a protection order in their hands because then it undermines the very system that we are actually trying honorable majaj yes um, um, i really i really i fully agree with you but you know mm. when we started the issue was for them to brief us in order I, for I understand us, that yes yes mm. in order for us or the whip while um having our study group to have the know about of the presentation and that's where we are going to discuss or to come up with the input like the one that we're saying now because when we started we were less than four and we agreed that if we're less than four we're not going to to input or we're not going to take decisions but i think for now we were to check whether we continue in order to take the decision or we still give them chance to brief us maybe we may go and deliberate about it later i don't know it's just a suggestion Okay Thanks. for me it was just a matter of saying the approach to this um are we having an approach that will be beneficial for the multi party caucus because you know what is important is not just being briefed and knowing what is going on is how we make inputs into processes in a way that processes would actually elicit what we think are desired results in terms of how we have actually um identified the problem ourselves So I was just talking about approach uh, how we approach this because 
I'm thinking there are bills before parliament and how you influence the bills before parliament is the kind of inputs that are, that's why submissions will be called uh, so that there could be inputs when there is this lawmaking process so that we influence and we try to actually help structure some of these clauses within the bills in such a way that they will actually be helpful in relation to the kind of problems that will have been identified. Taken? Just approach. Approach and then I'm not really saying I'm, I'm against um, the, the presentation. The presentation is good. It actually gives you a, a background to this. Uh, it informs you of what the intention of the bills or the purpose of the bills is all about, which is good. But at the same time, uh, approach, uh, when, when I'm talking about approach, um, I want us, even when we take it to whatever forum, and it may not even be too many things. It may be a few of the things that we will know. When Can you suggest are, one, Honorable Majaki? I've actually already talked about the bail conditions that normally in the public space, you hear people saying bail conditions are a problem and that we need to do something about the bail conditions because somebody abuses you and then you, you get them arrested and then they, 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 they get released on bail and they go back home and they, they continue with the abuse. And then I also mentioned about the protection order of women who die with protection orders in their hands. There is this measure that has been put in place that you can have a protection order, but the women get killed with a protection order in their hands. And then also there's complaints about women going into police stations and having police themselves sometimes mis mishandling them. Do we have provision enough within the same act of the bills that would actually ensure that if such a, a behavior actually happens, then they, they, the police are actually made to account. Those are some of the things that we, we need to look at. And then you, we, we, we talk, there's also a, a, a concern about the, the number of cases that are actually withdrawn. You know, you know abusers, he beats you up today, tomorrow, Honorable Majaki. very nice advice with Honorable Majaki. If we look at, uh, let me finish Majaki. this one, this sentence. Let me finish Honorable this sentence and then you can say. Yes. I understand yes, you, but yes. somebody was still presenting. And you said the approach, you give some of the approach, but you are now deliberating on some other issues. Can't we take the two presentations, then we take it from there? I've noted what you well, said, well, I and I think you can also write time, something that can knock off now. Mm. Eh? Okay. <laughs> no, I was saying in the interest of time, uh, that we need to actually just... But I think we need, to, we need to give some other people a chance, Honorable Majaki. Okay. Yes. Okay, but I'm sure the, the four points I've actually indicated have actually been taken into consideration. Can, can so we proceed? Forward, can we proceed? Moving forward, we can actually take them into consideration. Uh. Can you wrap up, Joy? Yes, Jay. Um, I know that members now need to go to the um, to the house. So I'm going to very quickly, in, in two minutes, go through the, the issues in the Criminal Law, Sexual Offences and Related Matters Act Amendment Bill. Um, so the first um, issue there is the list of those who are regarded as being vulnerable. 
Um, in Section 40 to 50, they, they, we, um, the bill expands the scope of the National Sexual Offences Register to include the particulars of sexual offences, um, sexual offenders, and expands the list of persons protected to include vulnerable persons in addition to children and people with mental disabilities. Now, you know, in the list of people who are specified as being vulnerable are persons with physical, mental, intellectual disabilities, and those over the age of 60 years um, who receive community-based care, support services, or who live in a facility providing 24-hour care. But the bill also includes in the list of vulnerable persons women who are under the age of 25 years. And the problem with this approach is that women generally are vulnerable to sexual offences. It's not just women who are under the age of 25 five years. So we can't restrict this age group. So it's therefore recommended that the age of 25 is removed from the bill because really it should apply to all women. Then very quickly in terms of the National Sexual Offences Register, um, the, the bill now makes provision for um, the, 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 the register keeps the full name, the surname, the identity number, and the sexual offence committed for a person who is a perpetrator. The bill now calls for this to be made public on the website of the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development. But the purpose for this is not clear because initially the purpose of the register is um, so that employers can access information about hiring somebody um, say, for example, you're hiring somebody and they're going to work with children, you can check that their name is not on the Sexual Offences Register. The concern with making the Sexual Offences Register public and putting it on a website is that um, it becomes possible for everybody to access that information. It's not just about them looking for a job. And it also opens the potential for people to take the law into their own hands and to take um you know, to be violent, to engage in vigilante action against those whose names are on the list. So the purpose really must be around your name is on the list and the access to the list is for employers around um, finding a job so that you're not putting in a position where you can potentially harm somebody. Then very quickly around the reasons to um, for the NPA to prosecute. Currently, the, the National Prosecuting Authority um, the 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 the, the um, does not provide reasons for a decision not to prosecute. That will only do that if a victim asks for reasons. So victims have no automatic rights for the reasons around um, why there was no uh, a, a decision not to prosecute. Um, and this is problematic. And um, what the suggestion here is is to help address this is that it's you know, to, to recommend to the NPA that they should inform victims in writing of the decision as to whether or not to prosecute and the reasons for this, so a written reason. Yeah, I just think that because it's tentative, I'd rather stop and give you um, an opportunity to, to take over in the interest of time and the budget speech. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you very much. Uh, Joy, I don't think we, we, we still have enough time for Barbara to, to present. But what I wanted to check is that, uh, is there any other members that want to say something? But bearing in mind that tomorrow we are having a full uh, caucus, where we are still going to have time to engage on the presentation that is going to be 
Uh, Thank you. Is there any other members who want to say something? Yes, Chair. The chairperson. Honorable Masiko. Thank you, Chair. Greetings to yourself and uh, the members in the group or the platform. I just maybe, even though clarity will not be given today, maybe we'll get it in tomorrow's meeting. But yes. to just, um, in terms of the proposed amendment, on the reporting for or on behalf of an able-minded or able-bodied uh, adult. Um, I, I think we just got the negative aspect of it. Can they also, when they have this presentation, uh, uh, discuss why there was a suggestion that if if a person uh, uh, um, is able to pick up that another individual is being at risk of court. Um, because normally or ordinarily, you'd find that people who are in abusive relationships would stay there until they are killed because they're afraid for many other reasons to report an abuse. So when they are doing the presentation tomorrow, can they look at both the positive and the negative aspect of it? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very, very much, Honorable Masiko. I think the department will clarify that because tomorrow we'll be having the department presenting. Thanks. Chairperson? Hello? Uh, you actually shut me down when I was actually making comments. Can we get the the, depart, the department to uh, indicate uh, something about oh the approach? Because that is what, what I suggested earlier to say, what is the approach? Can we talk about approach? And I'm not saying they should actually change the whatever they have done. If it's not agreed that we are actually going to be revisiting approach. Can they talk about approach in terms of the comment that has been made, please? Okay. <laughs> Is there any other members who want to say something before we close? No, no, Chair. Uh, I think I am fine, and the uh, but I, 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 I know what is important is that we on, on tomorrow as the steering committee must be able to be in a position to lead the discussion. Uh, because I understand the sole purpose of this meeting was that when we approach the broader meeting, we should also allow members to also deposit their own input in terms of the amendments of the piece. Thank you. No, thank you very much. Honorable members, instead of wasting time, we have to rise to the sitting, the meeting agenda.